Do you wish you hadn't watched this movie? You will. Today on Writers Get Animated, we're talking about Death of Superman and Batman vs. Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. Why did you say that name? Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and every variety of Batman. <laughs> I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. As Chris said, today we are um, doing a Who Wore It Better kind of, uh, talking about the Batman and Superman of the multiverse. And not just Batman and Superman, but a very specific story in the DC movie universe is plural because they have multiple versions of their universe. Um, but the specifically the dying of Superman storyline. Spoilers. Spoilers. He dies. It's not like the movie's called that or anything. Right. <laughs> so to look at who bore it better, we're looking at the new film from the DCAMU. DeCamu. DeCamu. Death of Superman and the DCEU? Is that what they call that? What does that stand for? The DC... DC Extended Universe? Is that what the movies are called? The Extended I'm... Universe? Yes, that's right. What does it extend to? Like the three movies they've done? Uh... I think so. It, well, it goes to... Um... The two Batmans and Wonder Woman and Justice League, so four. Two Batmans? Well, sorry, the Superman, Batman. Oh. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, soon to be Wonder Woman 1984. Suicide Squad? Yes, yeah, Suicide Squad. I forgot about that one. I think a lot okay. of people did. Or would like to. Yeah, there's six movies. So that's six movies. Okay, it's very extended. It's on two hands if you're counting. <laughs> and soon to be coming, they'll they'll have Aquaman and um, possibly a Flash movie. No cyborg. I think that one's been canceled. Uh, DC. There's there's a lot of kinks to work out. I, I will say, I'm an old-school DCAU fan, the DC Animated Universe, the whole, like, Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, like, starting with the 90s Batman show all the way through, like, Justice League Unlimited in the mid-2000s. Oh, yes. Huge fan of that. Love it. I haven't found another iteration of the DC Universe that I'd love like that. Not comics, not other animation, not live-action <laughs> movies. Not any version of decades of live-action movies. Ooh, you know what? I take that back. I love the DCAU and the Lego Batman universe. Those two things. Ah, <laughs> uh, It's very specific. I stand by it. <laughs> so, can we talk through, before we get into discussing the similarities 
and ranging differences between both of these takes on the death of Superman. Can we talk a little bit about the death of Superman as it originally came out in comic the, book form? The 90s marketing ploy? Uh, the 90s... Debatably marketing ploy. <laughs> yes. Can we, dis can we discuss that? Um, what the death of Superman storyline was and what it accomplished and what it didn't accomplish and why people are so enamored of it still to this day where we have two almost back-to-back -back versions of the story. Yeah, let's. I think it sounds like you have more opinions than I do, so I will let you lead this section of the conversation. Really? Well... The crossover you, you you have in your lovely notes on who who devised this. Um, Mike Carlin and the writing team of Dan Jurgens, Roger Stern, Louise Simonson, Jerry Ordway, and Carl Kessel. Um, I guess what year did this happen? Oh, I don't even know off the top of my head. I feel like it was like ninety five or ninety six. It was right around the time I feel like it was happening while Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman was on the air TV, which truth be told, I think is probably my fav favorite iteration of Star Star Wars of Superman. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I, 92 to 93. 92 to 93. So, yes, I think. Lois and Clark was right around that same time. I think it came out after that. Yeah, there was like this big DC push in the mainstream, like early 90s with the animated Batman and the Batman movies, of course, continuing and Lois and Clark. Yeah, I just remember that Lois and Clark was the first time that I felt that Lois and Clark were actually characters and uh, were more interesting than Superman having superpowers. Mm -hmm. Just a quick, quick little note for there. Dean Kane is awesome. He doesn't get as much respect as he should as Clark Kent. But uh, back to this story. So we we end up with a. I guess we kill off Superman for the idea to find out of what life would be like without having Superman around. And to get people to care about Superman? Would yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is also coming at a time when the world is tired of Superman as an idea. Like, it's exactly what you said. He has all these powers and there's no vulnerability and it's completely unrelatable coming out of the 80s and going into the 90s. Like, there's nothing there to relate to. So, cool. What happens if... He becomes relatable through dying. Which is the one thing that humans have in common. I share that with Superman. Yes, we all do. So let's make him the most human trait possible, which is the ability to die. It's a great That's... superpower. <laughs> I have the ability to die. Ah! I am human. <laughs> Oh my god, I would read this. <laughs> Trademark writers get animated. We did it. Um, so, 
In that story, we have the character of, I'm sorry, I didn't use enough air quotes, character of Doomsday, which is basically a killing machine, a giant monster um, who comes out and essentially gets stronger as Superman beats him up more. Until the point where Superman has to exert all of his energy and destroy him. In doing so, completely destroying himself. Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, surprisingly, Superman doesn't stay dead. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, there's a then there's the follow up which is Reign of the Supermen, where there are four different versions of Superman, and we get to pick which one we like the, we like more. Yeah, I didn't... I mean, I've never, like, followed the DC or Marvel comics very closely, but at the time this was all happening, uh, my dad went to comic shops a lot, so I distinctly remember wandering into shops with him and, like, seeing just through, like, posters and titles and releases that this is a thing that was happening and being acutely aware that Superman was dying, but also at the same time being young enough to go like, who's Superman? I mean, like I knew who Superman was, but I never personally experienced Superman. I didn't have a personal Superman in my life. Well, to be honest, for me, Superman was always on TV or home video for me. Um, I did not read the death of Superman and the follow-up until I want to say f seven years ago when, or maybe it was longer. When did Superman doomsday come out? Superman 2007. So 11 years ago. <laughs> um, so Superman Doomsday was the first time that they animated or showed in any media this story of Superman dying. And while we're not talking about that, we just know that so far there have been three iterations of this story on screen. Yeah. Two of them in the last three years. Three on movie screens, not counting like Smallville. Well, Smallville didn't. didn't they do that there? They had no. do they had the character of Doomsday. Oh my bad. They totally did have the, they did have the character of Doomsday, and I don't believe they killed Clark. This was season eight, I believe, of Smallville. Play played um, Doomsday was great. Uh, it was played by Sam Witwer. Really? Um, who now plays the voice of Darth Maul in in the Star Wars universe? So he, he did a great job with what he was given. Did we'll not it, know that. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Good on but. you, Sam Whitwer. <laughs> so let's talk through. Now we kind of have a little bit of a foundation of where this is coming from. Let's talk through, just in general, why... I mean, we said a little bit about why we'd want Superman to die to show that he's human. <laughs> Not we, writers yeah. get animated, but we, 
the people of the world, um, Superman fans would be interested in a death of Superman story. Mm-hmm. It's um, the one thing that never happened to him. It's one thing that never happened to him. He, he always got a gets... dog. <laughs> we already did that. He has a clone. A he... horse. <laughs> he has a new stepson. Um, he's had children. He's been the king of different planets. But never died. Um, can we talk a little bit about which one should we start with? I feel like, I feel well, like it's, it's a little unfair to start with Batman versus Superman colon Dawn of Justice. Yeah, I think that's a good second. I think ultimately our goal is to dissect whether animation or live action handled this story better and communicated its themes and spoilers based on the name of our podcast. It's the animated one. so let's talk about what works well first and then go into the darkest timeline where we can see what doesn't work well in the same story okay i i I, i'm cool with that cool (laughs) so death of superman which came out this year 2018 uh written by (laughs) peter j tomasi it's the 11th film in the dc animated movie universe we haven't talked about any of these. They're all like the direct-to-video or direct-to-streaming if you're a newfangled millennial. Um, like yourself? Shh. I rented it on iTunes. I didn't. <laughs> I paid for it individually. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's been a while since I watched it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it... I think I'm probably going to conflate some of the things that happen in other versions of the story, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Um, I remember writing down early in the story, like, I think it's like the opening fight scene. Superman says, No one tears my city apart and gets away with it. That's a good thesis for this movie. Like, what does it take to prove Superman wrong or to put some kind of, like, dramatic... M. Night Shyamalan twist on that statement of no one tears my city apart and gets away with it. I think that's the one, two, that's the fourth thing I wrote down. (laughs) And I quoted, nobody tears my city apart and gets away with it. Um, The the other things that I wrote were exposition, bright colors and violence, wisecracks. Those are my first thoughts in that very first scene, <laughs> I had those first three things um, yeah. that we're, what we're getting. The reason why I wrote down exposition is we have two cops driving to this robbery in progress. And these two cops are just, they're the first characters we meet. And I'm always intrigued in anything that I'm watching as to who do who do the writers give the first lines to and who do they give the first moments to? And the fact that we have two cops in a car driving towards the thing and then explaining where they're going as the first thing. I'm like, Oh, that's where we start. I wish it would have been something else, but the first thing that we get is an exposition about where they're going and who's doing what and what they're going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember, and it, this is a big difference, is 
the bright colors. It's really brightly lit. The opening fight scene that happens is during the day. You know, it's afternoon. It's sunny. The colors are really, really rich and vibrant. And Superman arrives and starts wisecracking like he thinks he's Spider-Man or something. Well, I think it very much preserves the spirit of like the Bruce Tim DCAU. It is those bright colors. It's still like the same kind of dialogue you'd expect. It's like a friendlier, brighter DC. That's true. I mean, Christopher Reeve was all about those kinds of things. I think what it misses from the wisecracking that I'm used to with Superman is a layer of charm and innocence. Like Superman is just just charming and sweet. You know, he just has a lot of charm and smiles, um, which they did do well in Superman Returns. Like the one moment that they got right in Superman Returns, which also had the death of Superman in it. Oh, um, yeah. Four times <laughs> on film. <laughs> I just remembered it. Um, was when he said, I hope this doesn't put you folks off flying. It is still the safest way to travel. And it's just like, oh, that's that's him. That's Superman right there. He's dorky. Superman is dorky. Which comes to the question that you have to answer in any story about Superman that you're telling, which is, <clears throat> are you telling the story of Clark Kent as the main character, or are you telling the story as Superman as the main character? So what do you Which, think this movie is? This movie squarely sets itself that Superman is the main character. Hmm. Superman is the reality. Now, there is a lot of Clark stuff in here, which they try to add to give him... to give characters an emotional reason for sadness. <laughs> but um, I think in the end... It's, it's a story of Superman as opposed to a story of Clark Kent. I'm prepared to agree to that, but I would say it's a story of Superman accepting that Clark Kent is who he is also. Right. I, I would agree with that as well. Okay, great. We're, we're just agreeing in an agreement loop now. <laughs> yes, I see that and agree. I um, hear you saying it, and I understand and also agree. <laughs> so in this iteration, as you've said, the thesis statement that we both wrote down and both agree on is <laughs> no one tears my city apart and gets away with it. So the idea that Superman is the protector of the city and no one can stop him yeah, and he and will always be there to save the city. No matter what it takes, he will save the city. Correct. Um, we are also shown that Clark Kent, one of the very first things that we see is that Clark Kent has a relationship with Lois Lane. Yes. Which is, I think works and doesn't work for me on different levels at different times in this movie. Here's the, here's the thing. So you have Superman where you have to answer the question, is Superman the disguise or is Clark Kent the disguise? You have to answer that question, which 
the Donner films with Christopher Reeve, say, Clark Kent's The Disguise. Um, I would argue it's a heightened version of himself. Mm-hmm. It's not that much of a disguise. to be. It's like he sat down and thought, like, what if I didn't have superpowers? What would my life be like? Right. Um, uh, but I don't think it's that far off of the way he generally is. He's just a little bit clumsy. Like, that's mm-hmm. all he adds is the clumsiness. Everything else. And glasses. And glasses and a slouch. His physical, yes. the physicalness that Christopher Reeve gives Clark Kent is amazing. Um, I think he gets like four inches shorter just by being, <laughs> being Clark Kent somehow. Just physically. It's amazing. But, um... So you have that decision, and then you have the decision on what to do with Lois Lane. What story do you tell with Lois Lane? Which you have to decide, is Lois in love with Clark, or is Lois in love with Superman? I like it when she's in love with both. It's like a love triangle, but it's (laughs) two-sided. I think... I would agree with that. I I always like because it's a little bit more human and it means it makes Lois a little bit more interesting as a character if she's more in love with Clark than if she's in love with Superman. I mean, it's easy to be in love with Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, I fawn over Superman. <laughs> right? It's very very simple to be in love with Superman. No matter where I am in the world, you'll come and save me? Yes, please. (laughs) So I'm still going to work at the local newspaper for my city? (laughs) But I I think that the way that they portray the relationship here is interesting and problematic. Hmm. It's like, oh, awesome. She has a relationship with Clark Kent, but she doesn't know that Clark Kent is Superman. So he's keeping, Clark is keeping that secret from Lois. Yeah. But, and I think you made this note. (laughs) Go ahead. Which note? (laughs) If, if they are having romantic time sessions. Yes. The writers get animated RTS. So if they're having RTS, does Clark Kent never take off his glasses? Does he just keep them on? Everything else is off, but the glasses stay on? I don't know. I feel this is why this movie, like, it was different and it took a stand, and I appreciate it. Um, with Lois Lane, is a busy career woman who gets some action on the side, both at work and after work. And I celebrate <laughs> that. That's totally in character for Lois. Awesome. Yes. I don't think that's in character for Clark Kent. Right. He's too much of like a good boy scout. Right. Yeah. If you, so if, if you remove the boy scout of Clark Kent, then all, all he has is his morality. Yes. Like that's that's what pits him against everybody else is his ability to always do the right thing. And I don't want to say it's moral or not to have sex with someone outside of marriage, but I feel like Clark Kent would feel like that's leading someone on. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I also think that Clark being from Kansas 
you know, being really close with his parents, Martha, um, his mom. Why'd you say that name? <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. But the fact that he has a relationship with his parents, John and Martha Kent, um, makes him who he is, which is exactly why he's a foil against Batman, who doesn't have his parents and had to come up with his own code. Like Superman has his own code of, you know, you do the right thing because people are inherently good and you got to do the right thing. And I think that Clark in some ways would see how wrong it is to, you know, not have a relationship with somebody you're having sex with. Mm -hmm. I think Clark Kent would have an issue with that. But they also um, have a relationship. It's confusing. They sort of do, but not really. Like, yeah. he wants to take it to the next level, which is... Or no, she does. She wants to say... She often says, I, I want to meet your parents. Yeah. I, want to, I want to learn more about you. Um, so it becomes this of he's holding back, which doesn't quite ring true for me. If It felt tacked on. It didn't feel... Like it was coming out of the characters. Yeah, based, I wanted it to kind of be like the reverse. Right. But based on the in-story dramaturgy, so if you take out your Superman expectations, which I feel like you have to do with both of these films, take apart everything that you know about Superman and just take it with what's here face level. You know, just just take it here for what it is I don't think it still works <laughs> in terms of that relationship. Okay. But it, it does help a little bit if you say, no, I'm going to forget all of these other iterations. I'm going to forget what I expect Superman and Clark Kent to be. It does help, but I think there's still some problematic things with it in terms of the overarching story as it goes through, you know, this particular setup Because mm. I know that part of this setup is giving Lois a personal loss for the inevitable death of Superman that we know is coming. Mm -hmm. The fact that she's going to realize that they are the same person is going to be the moment that she has a giant emotional moment. And we're, this film is setting us up for that. She doesn't know that he's Superman. Oh, she's going to find out when he's about to die. But, like, I feel like that's set in the motion very, very early. Like, that's that's what we're, we're led to believe. Yeah, that's the entire B plot, which I don't know, like satisfactorily like rolls into the a plot of no one tears my city apart. Mm -hmm. But there are things that I like about that. We're talking about Lois a lot in this, which is good. Cause I think I have no lowest notes about Batman V Superman colon Don of justice. Um, <laughs> besides Amy Adams, you're too good for this. Uh, <laughs> the things that I like that they do with the relationship are, when Clark takes off his glasses, I'm Superman, and Lois laughs at him, which is the traditional, that's not breaking anything yet. Then he says, like, no, really, look at me. 
And they take that long pause for her to really let it sink in. I like that. It's not like an, a sudden realization, just taking your glasses off does it. It's not a matter of disbelief. It's trusting him and going with it and understanding. Mm-hmm. That felt very real to me. And the other thing that I really, really like in this movie comes after something that I really don't like in this movie. <laughs> when they're doing the Justice League board meeting and then Flash goes off the rails and does an impression of Batman, it was like a little too far for me. It was funny, but it was like a kill your darlings kind of moment for writing. It felt like this movie would have been better without this, even though it was good individually. But then what really gets me is the immediate turnaround of Superman, like, having earnest interest in Flash's love life. Like, you're getting married? Does she know? And he goes, of course she knows! It's Superman being 100% Boy Scout, having no idea how to live life, and realizing that at this moment, he is the weakest member of the Justice League. Because he doesn't have the wherewithal to tell the person he's in a relationship in that he is Superman. And not just that, but he's like, no game plan for this whatsoever. He has no ability to balance his personal and super life. And is that part of what the film is about? Or or is that part of what a superhero film is about? That balance between who you are out of the costume and who you are in the costume. And when those things come together. I guess this movie is both about the physical death of Superman at the metaphorical death of the Superman we know as he merges his personalities together. Hmm. Don't know if I agree with that, but... <laughs> you said We it had so... an agreement, Luke, Chris. <laughs> you, you said it so well that I feel like I should. Um, let's talk about the death of Superman. The moment of death. And how the death happens. Um, and who causes the death? Mm-hmm. So in this film, as in two others, Doomsday kills Superman. But who is Doomsday and where does Doomsday come from? Well, they don't tell us in this movie. <laughs> as they didn't tell us in the comic. Right. And normally I have problems with that, but I don't think that this movie's about Doomsday as a character. Hmm. And part of why I think the original Death of Superman comic story still resonates is because they give him no background or explanation either. He's just this unstoppable force that not even Superman can deal with, which is death for everyone else. So the fact that there is no context for that, no real explanation, I think that's why that works. If it were Lex Luthor, it wouldn't have as much of an impact. Hmm. So just the fact that Doomsday is essentially the angel of death, the specter of death Mm -hmm. coming for Superman is enough. Yeah. I'm fine with that. And I think they're going to ruin that in the next movie of the DCAMU because they kind of imply it's apocalypse. There's a whole bunch of like 
dark side setup stuff happening in this movie that never pays off in this movie. Yeah, there there was a line. Um, yeah, these are leftovers from our war with dark side. I think that was like two movies ago. I know, but it was uh, it was just something that's tossed out there. Like, there's a lot of history in this, um, including Wonder Woman and Superman dating. You know that that's like, do we need to know that? Does that add something to it? Does it not add something to it? I think it's <sighs> this isn't a standalone movie. Not that the other one we're comparing it to is either, but. Um... <laughs> This one isn't meant to stand alone. It's not meant to fill seats in a movie theater. This is a direct-to-video and streaming. Like, the fans are going to watch this. They've probably watched the 10 before this. Mm -hmm. And I've sporadically caught some of them, but not all of them in a row in a cohesive manner for me to, like, judge the overarching plot <laughs> of what's <laughs> happening in this universe. <laughs> so do you feel like the no plot, no motivation for Doomsday doesn't work for you? Um, it's not that it doesn't work for me because what it sets up is I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this because one of the striking moments that, that happened is um, Superman's getting pummeled. He's getting just pummeled <laughs> intensely and there's blood and his costumes ripped and he's having a hard time. Um, still, he's able to save this young kid on a bridge. You know, he's still this movie makes a point of showing instances where Superman puts himself in between death and other people. So it's a very literal manifestation of the code of Superman. I will be between other people who can't defend themselves and death in whatever form it takes, mm -hmm. um, which I appreciated. So they, and they just hammered that through in terms of here's another moment of Superman getting in between, getting in between, saving somebody specific, saving a group of people. And they made a point to show Look at all these people in imminent peril. Um, and he's going to swoop in and stop him and get Dark, si dark Side, Doomsday, hey, out of the way and take yeah. him into space, take him somewhere else, just leave and hopefully get that taken care of. Because that's who Superman is. He's not whatever supervillain they've put on screen in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. <laughs> So, should we should we shift to the other manifestation of the death of Superman story? Yes, but let's recap first. What works yes. for us, um, whether or not we think it's the best manifestation of it, we're talking a lot about the Lois Lane Clark Kent relationship. Yes, it works that it's a story of Superman and his disguise of Clark Kent, and it works on some levels that Doomsday has no background. Yes. And the humor and spirit of it work. Yes. And what doesn't work is it doesn't necessarily cohesively... I mean, it comes together, but it doesn't all mesh together in a way that we find, like, gets us excited 
It just kind of comes together in the way you expect it to. Right. And we don't know from just watching this movie, the whole overarching plot of everything that's happening. It's like not quite enough evidence. Anything else we don't like? I'm not sure how I feel about Lex Luthor, but that's something completely, <laughs> that's like a D story to this. Like I honestly a, forgot he was in this movie until you just mentioned it just now. <laughs> Rain Wilson, I appreciated your performance. I did. I thought your vocal performance of Lex Luthor was great. Um, but who he was and what he was after in this whole thing, it felt like here's a setup where Lex is after after the love of the city as well. But it didn't but selfishly. feel... Selfishly. But it also didn't feel earned. Metropolis is and always has been under the protection of Lex Luthor. Shut up, that's what we end up with. That's the, that's his thesis is like, but not for the real reasons, as you were saying, not, it's not true. Yeah. I forget how he got to the point of like trying to do that. I think this is also set up for like, Lex Luthor running for president in a future movie, but what worked for me about that plot before we move on to the next one. What worked about me for Lex Luthor's D plot is going into the original thesis of no one tears apart my city with it and gets away with it. And it doesn't matter if they're also targeting Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is part of that city. Mm -hmm. So that worked for me. All the rest of Lex Luthor stuff completely forgot about. And I did forget about this one thing that I thought worked really, really well is the the parents. So we start off the film with Lois Lane doing an interview with Superman um, where he introduces her to his parents, to the hologram versions of his parents. Mm. And then the whole rest of the story for Clark Kent is totally being unwilling to have Lois Lane meet his parents. I didn't even pick up on that. I love that. Yeah, that's I almost forgot to talk about it, but then I saw it in my notes and said, yes, that's the that was really, really well done. Like, I enjoyed that juxtaposition that here's Superman. Here are my mythic parents, essentially. But I don't want you to meet the real people who actually dealt with me as a kid. And I don't want you to see baby pictures of me and have a real intimate relationship. You can have this one which is very formal and separate. Hmm. But the moment you get into my life as Clark Kent, I really don't want to have that connection. See, now I just want that movie. Mm -hmm. But instead of any of the other stuff, I want like Superboy to be the villain out of nowhere and Superman slowly realizing that absent parents don't make the person, the parents who are there make the person, and Superman accepting that he should be the parent to Superboy, simultaneously while the little slade, like, meeting the parents' plot is happening. Mm. I want that movie now. <laughs> we You've done it, it again, Chris. You've made me want a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> so <sighs> let's talk about a movie that shouldn't exist. Um, Batman. <laughs> I'm just trying to find a good segue. <laughs> That's the best one there is. 
Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice from 2016. Um, I think all that really needs to be said about this movie is that it was released less than two years ago. And for some reason, Bruce Wayne uses a Windows phone, <laughs> which says a couple things. One, either the only thing that would sponsor this movie or the only sponsor they could get was the Windows phone department. And two, somehow this franchise outlived the Windows phone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which deserves to die more, but probably this film franchise. Oh, goodness. So, let's talk about Superman as portrayed in Batman. No, let's not start there. I want to start with this. So, we talked about the death of Superman having to decide whether it's a Superman film or a Clark Kent film. This one decides it's a Batman movie. <laughs> yes. We'll put Batman first in the title, to be fair. <laughs> so that's that's the first decision that they make. The main character of the Death of Superman plot is Batman. Yep. Uh, that's that's what I that's where it starts to go wrong. <laughs> the villain isn't a Batman villain. The side characters aren't Batman side characters. Uh, yeah. But the main character. Let's make Batman the main character. Um, now, to be fair, what they're setting up is for Batman to be somehow the main villain in the story. So they've done two things in this. They said Batman is the main character and he's also the villain. Which is very strange. I mean, every villain thinks that they're the hero of the movie. Um, in this one, they make the villain the hero of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's another movie that could have been written here. There's um, a lot of movies that should have been written instead of this one. Yes. I, I remember when it was first announced, I said, oh, I know how they're going to do this. They're going to do this, 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 this. They didn't do any of those. <laughs> They made no good choices. <laughs> no good they got choices. Windows Phone to sponsor it. So here was here was my expectation. When you put these two characters together, you have to make Batman the villain, which is true. You know, if if Batman's trying to kill Superman, it makes only good sense that Batman is the villain in the story. Um if you're going, coming off of Man of Steel, you want the redemption of Superman. He made some mistakes in the first movie. He wasn't the best protector of anybody. Um, Slash an entire city got wiped out. Yeah, he was not very good at stopping people from dying. Everything that we talked about, Death of Superman doing well in terms of showing specific people being saved, um, did not happen. We just saw faceless people dying in, in crumbling buildings. And despite the fact that Batman sees that movie and wants to stop that Superman and Superman saying, yeah, I could have done better. Superman continues to rescue exactly zero people in this movie and destroys just as many buildings. <laughs> but don't you hear when Anderson Cooper comes on and says, it's a good thing it's happening now when everybody's gone to gone home and this place is yes, largely uninhabited. No one's downtown after work hours. It's a lot like Columbus, Ohio, to be real. 
I live downtown. <laughs> you would have died. Um, you would have died. <laughs> exactly. I would have died. Anderson Cooper doesn't care about me. I feel like... Uh, never mind. I uh, So... They made super. They made Batman the villain and the hero in this, which puts Superman as a bit player in his own death. movie, in his own death. So really, we're not pushing forward for his redemption in death, which would have been one thing. I think they get him. They start the movie in terms of everyone worshiping Superman with, you know, the giant statues and all that other stuff that they create. That shouldn't happen till the end of this movie. Yeah. They start the movie where they should have ended. But I could like a movie where they do it while Superman's still alive. And I can see Batman's point and motivation in doing this. There's a lot of good elements that I could like in what they're doing with that. That they just don't do well. There's... Here's here's the thing. Good dramaturgy does not always equal good execution. Those are two different things. Um, one of the hard things that they've done in terms of the dramaturgy of this movie is they've made the characters, which I use lightly, they've made the characters of Batman and Superman stand-ins for something and not characters who want and need something. They've made them arguments in a thesis yeah and with that and no matter how well you do your dramaturgy it's it's not gonna be executed well it's not a story it's a parable and like a bad parable so after we meet batman um and see how he became batman for the 10th time in film (sighs) So once we see that, we get about 20 minutes without either of them in the movie, where we go on different side plots. And you're just wondering, where are we going with this? We just spend a lot of time with side characters. Not really sure. We don't really see Clark Kent. We don't really see Superman. We don't see Batman. We don't see Bruce Wayne. It's just other people in this movie about these two characters. I wrote it down when they meet, and not even when they meet knowing who each other are. I think they just like meet accidentally in passing as Bruce Wayne lands on his plane or whatever. It's 45 minutes in. Yes. That's halfway through a normal movie that I want to sit through. That's an hour and a half long. But this is a three-hour movie, and I wasted a whole, like, two episodes of Netflix comedy binging for nothing to happen. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me that we s- didn't start with Superman at all. I feel like we should have seen... I mean, we see Superman... Um, as we see him through Batman's eyes, which sets up why Batman wants to kill him. That's what we get. We, mm-hmm. we see Superman through Batman's eyes, but we don't see Superman as a character. 
which they tried to do in the Justice League film, where they start with this Superman talking to these young kids in this reshot film. You know, was reshot. it a flashback? I haven't seen Justice League, and I've no. It was a flashback. It's it's shown on a it's recorded, um, on a on a cell phone, and it's like, hey, Superman, you thank you for saving us, and what you know, what do you like most about our planet? And okay. he thinks he's like the people. That should have been the opening of Batman v Superman. Death of, yeah. You know, death of Superman. <laughs> Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice. That should have how it that should have been how it opens. We just we need to see su what Superman is, what the world is going to lose. Because what we see at the very beginning, well, yes, it does serve as motivation for Batman, it doesn't give us a sense of what we will lose at the end of the film. To be fair, none of the characters in this movie have any character. That's true. I like you're assuming that they have autonomy and can do things and are um, consistent in their writing. And yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I do not agree with that. I think you could switch any of these people around and have the exact same movie play out with the same dialogue. Lois Lane could be Batman for all I care. Hmm. I agree with that. <laughs> you could probably do that. Yeah. It'd be a more interesting film to have Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent dating. <laughs> Ben Affleck and, you know, Henry Cavill in a bathtub together. Henry Cavill pouting and mad, but then completely relieved as soon as a naked man gets in the tub with him. Listen. That solves every argument, you know. What that scene, which is possibly the best scene in the movie, <laughs> attempted to do was show that Lois Lane and Clark Kent have a relationship. Not a healthy one. I didn't say that. I'm just trying to show. It's the one time where you see characters interact with each other in a real way. I wouldn't say real way. I would just say in a way. I don't know. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think the one thing that Man of Steel got right about Lois Lane was that she was smart enough to figure it out. She was smart enough to figure out that Clark Kent is Superman. That's the one thing they got right. The execution of it and what happened after that, I don't think they got right. But they got right that Lois Lane was smart enough to be an investigative reporter and figure out who Superman really is. That's great. To remove that whole question of, well, how will she figure out? And what's the mystery of this? So then you have to add a different mystery, a different big question for the film that never gets re-added, which is how does this hero have a relationship with this human when the world needs him so much? The world needs 
Superman so much that he can't have this relationship with this person? And what is that like? And does she accept that? So she can't necessarily be the tortured person that they've turned her into. And he has to start to enjoy saving people. When he does save people, he looks sad that he had to do it. <laughs> like, he, he should be smiling and, you know, glad, but he's like this reluctant god. Which is what Zack Snyder wanted him to be. Right. I don't think it's an accident. That's exactly the direction that Henry Cavill got. Yes. And I totally disagree with it. Yes. Now, the other thing that they... So, again, this movie works better if you forget everything you know about Superman and Batman as characters. <laughs> and it lays out the thesis that Batman is afraid that Superman has too much power, so he must destroy him. Great. Okay, we saw what happened to Metropolis slash Gotham. We get it. Superman's bad. We get that Batman wants to destroy him. And that it's not until something that's become a joke, it's become a meme, the Martha thing Ugh. at the end, which I think we want to remind our listeners what that was. Why did you say that name? Find him! Save Martha! Why did you say that name? It's his mother's name. It's his mother's name. What it's doing is something that it sets up from the very, very beginning, which is for the first time, Batman slash Bruce Wayne sees Superman as a human with a family. He sees Superman's humanity, which turns him to say, we will be together and I will help you through this. I will save your mom. Martha will not die today. But it's so poorly executed that the dramaturgy of it, no matter how sound it is from what they've set up, doesn't pay off in the way that it should. It becomes a joke. To be fair, while I don't understand why that climactic fight ends there and dramaturgically and characteristically it doesn't work in fairness i don't understand why they were fighting in the first place right it's meant to be that lex luther somehow has tricked both of them into fighting so he could get batman to destroy superman but why lex luther is doing this Second, third, fourth-handedly, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't understand what Lex wants. I don't understand what Batman wants. I don't understand. I, the only thing I get there is why Superman is sort of doing it, to save Martha. Yeah. It doesn't work, but I they at least tried to do something there. <laughs> There's some attempt at motivation. And I'm really not sure why Lex Luthor has Polaroids of Superman's mom being tortured. Look, I guess this he... is a dark universe with Windows phones. I, I think he thinks he's, you know, Joker in the killing joke. Is that what he thinks he is? I think that's what Zack Snyder thinks Lex Luthor is. I think Zack, 
Jesse Eisenberg is a good actor. Yes. And I think that here he plays the Joker, but that's the direction he was given by Zack Snyder. The hard part is all these actors are good. You know. Let me think. Hang on. All of them? Okay, fine. Yes. All these actors are good. Or have been good in other movies. Henry Cavill is great. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams is terrific. I enjoy Ben Affleck. I do too. Argo, it's, you're... It's the Natalie Portman effect. Like, Natalie is fantastic. She's a fantastic actress. But if you're going to give her Star Wars prequel trilogy direction, she's just going to give up and stop trying. And that's okay. I don't blame her for that. <laughs> that's not on Natalie. This isn't on Amy Adams or Henry Cavill or Ben Affleck. It really, it really isn't. Having been in a job before where at some point you just have to give up trying for your sanity and just go in and do your job, I'm not going to tell anyone that you should be giving your full self to a job that you hate. And it is clear that these actors hated this job. Mm. And I don't blame them. (laughs) So can we talk about... Let's talk about the moment of death and what causes Superman's death in this film. Um, Doomsday kills Superman as Superman saves Wonder Woman and Batman from Doomsday. Nobody else, because as Anderson Cooper said, everyone went home. Yep. So he, he doesn't have to save any people. It's just three superheroes fighting Doomsday. And, doomsday. Yeah, Doomsday. Can you tell us more about your air quotes, Mackenzie? So it's the Zack Snyder interpretation of Doomsday, which is the corpse of General Zod, but somehow Lex Luthor know to break into the Kryptonian ship and merge non-Kryptonian DNA with dead Kryptonian DNA, somehow, however that works. And somehow on Krypton, they'd done this in the past, so the robot knew not to do it, but did it anyway. And then this abomination has magical powers never before seen. None of it's all just transparent. Someone had an idea for like what Doomsday should be and then did like the least amount of work possible to set it up. Yeah. And then assuming positive intent in the dramaturgy here, (laughs) this abomination retains Zod's memories and hatred and wants to kill Superman. And that's the best case scenario for character. In the other iterations, we don't need to know why Doomsday's doing it. We're not going to know. That's okay. That's the point. Here, they attempt to give a reason, but the reason doesn't really make sense on any level. So, there are many things that are said in this film about God and Superman being a God and mixing up all the different metaphors that you can get, whether it be Christian and making out Superman to be a Jesus character or making Superman out to be a God himself or Prometheus or (laughs) devil and Lex Luthor's saying the devil. So you get this setup that Superman is God and he's going to get Batman who is man to kill 
the God. And then when that doesn't work, he says the line, if man can't kill God, then the devil will do it. Showing that he, the devil, will kill Superman at this point. So here, here, here are a couple things that I think. Only a couple? Only a couple. We'll, we'll, we'll keep this short. I don't want this to become... Uh, we, we can have the director's cut version of this, which is a longer version of this conversation. But um, what do I want to say first? Doomsday should have never been in this movie. That's the first thing I want to say. Doomsday should have been in the third Superman movie. That's number one. Number two, this should have been a Superman movie and not a Batman movie. Um, and number three, the f ultimate fight should have been with Superman against Batman. And that should have been the finale to it. So if we go through type A cliffhangers, type B cliffhangers, um, we ended up with, we tied up this story and supposedly there's a cliffhanger kind of because Batman's worried that more people are coming now that they know that Superman is dead. One, we don't know that there are other aliens out there. And if that was something to be afraid of, we should have seen that in the very beginning. Um, did he get or, the message through the weird time portal? I don't even want to talk about that scene. That scene never happened. Was it a dream? Was it not a dream? I don't even know. The Flash dream, any of the dreams in this, I just don't understand. Okay, we'll ignore those. That 45 minutes of the movie, gone, stricken from the record. Yeah, we'll, we'll get rid of the dream sequences. So here's what I think. What they're missing is a really strong human reason for Superman and Batman to fight. Like, if they wanted to show us that, we're missing that. Um, I don't think this would necessarily solve it, but you, we're also missing out on uh, a Batman who is, and this has nothing to do with you, Ben, um, but a Batman who is smart. <laughs> a Batman who's a detective. Um, because if this were in the, quote, Nolanverse or any other film, <laughs> Bruce Wayne would have made a business deal with Lex Luthor so that Batman could get a better look at Bruce at Lex Luthor's financials or plans or what's happening. Bruce Wayne would have made his way in and tried to do a merger or some kind of thing to get them together so that way he could have his people investigating and come up with the hidden information that way, mm -hmm. as opposed to going to a party randomly and hanging out at the servers next to the kitchen. Yeah, which uh, there's so many things wrong with this movie. Like I can't, even if we had another hour of this podcast, I couldn't <laughs> complain enough about everything that is dramaturgically. Yeah, so you're giving all this advice about what this movie should have been. I can't even give that because 
I could give so much advice about what this movie should have been that we could come up with like a hundred different movies that it should have been by picking out like the couple things that can be fixed. And it would go in completely different directions. But the servers being next to the kitchen and unlocked and through a glass panel, like none of that makes sense. This is the second worst thing with this movie after the Windows phone. <laughs> it should have been very hard for Bruce Wayne to get somewhere. And we get to see him crawl in, do whatever he's doing, hide from people who are searching. He gets in, he gets the information, and then he slinks back out, becomes Bruce Wayne again. And, oh, maybe he didn't, like, wipe something off, or maybe he his coat is torn. And then he, he pretends that he was, you know, oh, the woman I met over there was, she got a little bit, you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, something interesting to see danger for bruce wayne not just batman but for bruce wayne they're so interested in these theses that the movie doesn't stop to think about who they are and why they're doing what they're doing and if if they allow the characters to be in their movie a little bit more just let your main characters be in the movie mm -hmm. um, and not rush and put everything in. I can see the final moment of the movie being after Superman and Batman make up being Lex Luthor. Let's, let's say we keep the fact that Zod is doomsday. The last line of the movie could have been, well, if man won't kill God, and the devil will do it. And you start to see something happening. And you know what's coming for next time. Yeah. You, you don't set that up. And then you bring Wonder Woman in in the third movie and start introducing her a little bit more. Give her time to shine. After you let Batman and Superman be characters. They needed to force her into this movie to like give something good to this movie and like let this universe have like a little glimmer of hope. I know she she was the best thing. <clears throat> yeah. She's not even either of the title characters. She's not even Justice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Do we have anything else that we would like to say about this? I'm having like three stooges effect. Like there's so many things to say. It's just <laughs> I'm good. For me, the moral of the story here is the animated one is much better. Yes. Check it out. If you're into the death of Superman, don't know what the death of Superman is, whatever. Go ahead, rent or buy Death of Superman 2018. Yes. I'm, I'm interested enough to see where the next one goes for their sequel, because it does feel very much like the first part of something. It doesn't feel complete on its own. Well, I think they are doing the Rise of the Superman next with the four alternative mm -hmm. Superman characters. They are. They had a light, nice trailer on it on the DVD. Ooh. So it DVD. looks good. I know. Fancy. I know. <laughs> so, Mackenzie, did you have a favorite thing? So I could give you a favorite thing from the animated movie. 
um, and be a good sport about it. But instead, <laughs> I'm going to give you a favorite thing that didn't happen. Um, I want to take all of the prolonged dramatic staring in Batman vs. Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice, and just remove the soundtrack so it's just a super cut that's like 10 minutes long prolonged eye contact <laughs> like i'm serious i think this movie could save like at least 10 minutes by just cutting down the amount of staring that's probably true <laughs> but those 10 minutes of staring on their own with no music are probably better than the other two hours and 50 minutes <laughs> oh my gosh do you have a favorite thing chris I, I know I complained about it, but I think it is my favorite thing. <laughs> is that in Death of Superman, they did try to do something different with Lois and Clark's relationship. Mm -hmm. It was a Lois and Clark relationship I had not seen before. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. And then, <laughs> you know, it kind of tore apart. But I think that relationship being different was just so welcome and interesting. Anytime they change it up a little bit, um, I, I'm, I'm interested. Hear that, Zack Snyder? Bold character risks do pay off. Uh, characters also character. pay off. <laughs> characters pay off. Characters as a whole. <laughs> Have characters <laughs> in your movies. And that goes for any of our listeners who may be thinking about making a movie. Characters. Have characters. <laughs> <laughs> don't just film still life objects sitting on a table not interesting <laughs> theses are not for theses people these these never mind yeah never it wasn't it wasn't good hey so. it's homework time <laughs> for your homework I know we've said these words a few times in this episode already, but watch some Star Wars. There's a new Star Wars series coming out. Star Wars Resistance. Watch it. And then come and listen to us talk about it. Yay! <laughs> I'm excited. I'm very excited. <clears throat> I've watched all the trailers. Anyway... Uh, thank you to our engineer, Nadja Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Let us know your thoughts about these two films, Death of Superman, or if you want to give us some of your Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice love on Twitter at WG Animated, or find us on Facebook and like us there, facebook.com slash WG Animated. You can also find on Facebook our show notes to links and things that we have that we're going to talk about. I do regret watching this movie. I'm sorry I made you watch it. <laughs> but I did watch the director's cut, the ultimate edition. Ooh, so, man, I, I did a little bit more because I, I knew that I would want to suffer a little bit. Thank you. I, I can't say this. I can't say this about the ultimate edition. It certainly was longer. <laughs> Good, Good night, night everybody. everybody.